Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Meg, and Beef Manhattanite Connie is going to tell us all about Rhonda Dillard tonight. Also, if you're new here, this is a Zencaster-powered podcast. So hey. you have been considering starting a podcast and you need a very simple way to do it, you should go to Zencaster.com, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T. R slash pricing and use the code gruesome with a capital G for three months, three months off your first 30%, 30% <laughs> off your first three months. I was like, where is she going with this? Yeah. I'm just whining and dining it, I guess. <laughs> All right. I think we've talked about it on here before, but I have a strong familial. That's how you say it relationship with the military my husband was in the air force until 2020 my brother-in-law was in the air force until 2019 saint karen's husband was in the marines for like almost 10 years my father-in-law was in the marines i work (laughs) very closely with the air force currently um i have seen my fair share of crazy situations i'm sure you have read or watched them unfold on the news and I would say that 95% of the people that I have met in the Air Force are really top-tier stand-up men and women, especially the women. The women that I work with and know now, they're some of the hardest-working, have-your-back, no-bullshit people that I have ever met. They're top-tier. But as we know, just like with any group of people, there are those that give the good ones bad name. The murder of Vanessa Gillian by Aaron Robinson that showed us like, holy shit, this kind of stuff is happening. Hot mess. Yes. Uh, uh, Nidal Hassan, the Fort Hood officer who killed 13 people, you know, the countless number of sexual assaults and rapes that literally happen every day. So we know the stories. We know that murders happen to military members. And, and we, we know, know they're covered up. Yeah, and we know that crimes happen at the hands of military members. But at least for me, it is still always shocking to research cases where a member of the armed forces is a suspect. And I don't know if it's because like I work with them, especially with the Air Force. Like I work with members of the Air Force, so I hold them at such high esteem. Yeah, you have you hold them to a higher standard. Yes. And so if you can't gather or couldn't gather, we're going to talk about that exact situation tonight in a case that you may not be familiar with. Rhianda Dillard was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. She was described by her mom as crazy smart, which I love a smart girl. Brains. (laughs) Brains. Brains. That's all we gotta say. (laughs) She enjoyed learning new things. She loved robotics. She tutored other kids when she was in school because she was so smart and a well-advanced past her peers. In 2015, she graduated from um, Deberville High School with honors. Good and this you. is a girl, she had her entire life ahead of her. She had a family who loved her. Her mom um, had had her when she was 16 and she was a single mom. And so she would later tell um, the judge that her and her children grew up at the same time. They grew up together, which I think we hear that a lot with, um, parents, like teen parents. They're like, I was 
you know, because they're like, babies. Yeah, they're babies. Babies having babies. So you grow up at the same time or like it causes you to grow up. Her parents, sister, and two brothers were so proud of her when shortly after graduating from high school, she decided to join the United States Air Force. Her younger brother, Michael, and her, like, they were extremely close. They were about a year apart in age, and they participated in a lot of the academic uh, competitions, athletic activities growing up. Her nickname was Cookie Monster. Because she, her dad said that she loved cookies and like. I was like, is it because she loved cookies? Yes, straight especially up. Okay, this is my kind of girl. After basic training, and she went to her job school. She proceeded to her assignment at Offutt Air Force Base in Omaha, Nebraska. Her mom said that she was okay with her joining the Air Force, and she wasn't worried about her because she knew that her job was with computers. And she knew that she wouldn't be like actually fighting, which I feel like as a parent, that's a standard feeling. Like I would, if my, one of my kids is like, I'm going to be in infantry. I'd be like, oh shit, that's dangerous. But if they're like, I'm going to work on computers, I'd be like, that's dope. Proceed. (laughs) Go on. She arrived at Offit on March 14th, 2016. My husband's birthday. Well, not 2016. He was born like before that. (laughs) (laughs) We know you're a cougar. It's fine proud of it and i've been to this base to me it seemed like it was pretty big um i don't think it's like one of the biggest ones my brother-in-law and sister-in-law were there at the time this is like where my brother-in-law was stationed when he was in the air force and this is actually how i first heard about this case because it was all ongoing and my like when they were there and like when we visited um my sister-in-law which you know my sister-in-law saint karen right no my sister-in-law. No. Sister-in-law. Oh, right, yeah. right. Okay. That's your sister's um, sister. Yes. Sister, sister. But my sister-in-law was pretty shook up about it. And truthfully, she still is. Because <laughs> it's it was pretty crazy. It's scary. Rianda I, mean, worked- I don't know it's scary. I've not, they were not there yet, but I'm sure it is. Yeah, you know. I know it's coming. Rianda worked for the 55th Strategic Communication Squadron, a.k.a. She was really smart. Offit has a lot of the, we call them the smart kids go to Offit. Like there's a lot of them there. Um, my brother-in-law was actually a Spanish linguist when he was there. So like. Your brother-in-law smart. speaks Spanish? Yeah. He taught himself Spanish in six months at his job school. He had never spoke Spanish before. He took like uh, Japanese in high school. And then when you join to be a linguist, you don't know what your language is going to be. They give you a language. And so his was Spanish. <laughs> have fun that's yeah. crazy i didn't know that you look at him and like you know him he doesn't look yeah, like he would when yes. you said that i was like oh really hmm, yeah interesting fluent in spanish yeah um she rianda was never late for work she was one of the top airmen in her squadron bill lewis um he is now a civilian employee there but he at the time he was her supervisor He said that she was one of the top airmen that he had ever trained in his several years there, which included like about 50 people. Her job is classified as highly sensitive because it dealt with nuclear targets. She was a cyber systems operations specialist. So like we said, she is extremely freaking smart. One night, shortly after arriving at Offit, she went to a basketball game where she met Timothy Wilsey. He was a 21-year-old fellow airman who was also stationed at Offit 
with the 55th Intelligence Support Squadron. So all of these numbers that are ahead of it, like that's the MAGCOM that it is. So like that's the big group. So all of these different like sub squadrons, they're still like the 55th, but they're like different areas on base. Okay. I could see. I, being, like, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't fully understand that, but I, and I it'll might click. It's like I can't explain it more without telling where I work and like I can't I don't want to do that. So Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. We'll Another talk time. <laughs> they exchanged numbers and Rihanna thought that he was interested in her. Her mom would later say that she'd never heard Rihanna talk about Wilsey and she didn't she wasn't much of a dater. So she believed it was like strictly platonic. The two were really friendly. They hung out sometimes. But what Rihanna didn't know is that Wilsey had mistaken her quietness for isolation from her peers, and he didn't know that she had a close family who she kept in frequent contact with. He didn't realize that she was so good at her job that her absence would be noticed immediately. And what Rihanna didn't know is that Wilsey never had any interest in a relationship, whether platonic or romantic. She didn't know that he had been planning for months and writing in his journal about his unsatiable desire to murder someone what mm-hmm. you're just keeping a dream journal about that yeah yeah that's crazy you see he picked her out of that basketball game that night and thought she doesn't have a lot of friends here no one would notice if she was gone nope not true not true girls can be quiet and still have friends yeah that's like the dumbest that's such <laughs> It's such like a bullshit like excuse like, oh, she's quiet. She doesn't hang out with a lot of people. No one must care about her. No one must ever talk to her in her entire life. That's not how this works. She's legitimately in the military at the same place you are. People will know. Exactly. On the night of Friday, July 29th, 2016, Wilsey went to Rianda's dorm room to watch a movie. As they were sitting on her bed, watching this movie on her laptop, Wilsey counted backwards in his head, lost his nerve, hung out for a little bit longer, counted down in his head again, once again, lost the nerve. Then, after counting down a third time, he put his arm around Rianda's shoulder, like he was, like, you know, putting his arm around her shoulder, mm-hmm. before extending it around her neck in a sleeper hold style trying to strangle her after using his right arm. He followed by switching to his left to do the same thing. Ultimately he sat on, make it happen with the first arm. No. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, I'll get to, I'll get into that in a minute. Cause I have some feelings. Okay. Ultimately he sat on her and strangled her with his hands. And I the hate, mo- hate a random case. Mm-hmm. This feels very random. Later, it would be revealed that after he murdered Rianda in cold blood, he hung out in her dorm room for a few and ate her Oreos that were in there. (gasps) He was seen on the cameras in the hallway eating the cookies as he left. Like it was no big deal. And honestly, this is how I heard about the case. Um, When my my in-laws were talking about it, Uh, My sister-in-law was like, yeah, an airman was murdered in the dorms and her murderer just sat there and ate Oreos. 
And I was like, what? And then it wasn't until after I like fully was like researching it and I was reading interviews from her dad when he was like, oh yeah, like we called her Cookie Monster because she loved Oreos. And I was gutted at how like, <laughs> full circle that I'm came. furious, honestly. Yeah. After murdering Randa, Woolsey took off in his car, got out of Dodge. The following Monday, immediately, Randa didn't show up for work. So coworkers were like, this is not like her. She had never been late for work at all. And she'd been there for like almost five months. Her coworker, Airman First Class Joshua Eldridge, went to her dorm room. They lived on the same floor, so he knew where she lived. And this is how most people in military dorms are. It's just like college. They're mm-hmm. on the same floor. So um, a lot of, I have a old, like one of my old coworkers, she lived in the dorms. And then like my, so, um, my husband had some friends that lived in the dorms. Like they share a communal kitchen most of the time. And like, there'll be like two rooms with like, literally like a college. Like you have a shared bathroom between two rooms. So you may not know people on a personal level, but you at least, and especially if you work with them, you know who you they see are. Them. Yeah, exactly. Lots of acquaintances. A1C Eldridge went to her dorm room and knocked on the door. When she, he didn't answer, she when she didn't answer, he went and got the dorm liaison, which is like an RA in college, to open the door for her room. He thought that maybe she was like sick and just like overslept. So he was just going to go in there and wake her up. He saw her laying on the bed and her knee, like it was like she had been sitting upright and like she had kind of just fallen back. Does that make sense? Like, so mm-hmm. her knees were yeah. still like on the floor um, or her legs were still, her feet were still on the floor. He thought she was just sleeping. So he tapped her on the leg and was like, Hey, you're late for work. But then he realized she was cold. She wasn't responsive. She wasn't moving. So him and the dorm manager felt for a pulse. They couldn't find one. Eldridge ran out of there to get help. Rianda's death wouldn't officially be classified as a homicide for months because there were no obvious signs of strangulation because he had, this is why I think he did. I, in my personal opinion, I think he was successful the first time he tried to strangle her. Like, okay. Like that. Because there was not, there wasn't the classic fingerprints that you would see in Mm -hmm. a manual strangulation like that. And then he just like psyched himself out or. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it was really weird to me. Like I read um, all the court documents and I couldn't figure out why they were so hesitant at first. Well, I mean, I, I understand why they were so hesitant at first. Yeah. (laughs) Because they were like a military member. Oh shit. This Um, makes us look bad. Uh, Months though. That's a long time. Well, you think about it like. Anything military related doesn't go through the normal channels. It's like military people doing stuff like the investigations. And so I don't know if it took a long time for the autopsy to come back or if even after it did come back, it was like, cause her, the interview her dad gave said they or gave said that they wouldn't tell them it was a homicide for a few months. Like they knew their daughter had died, but they didn't tell him like, Oh, Hey, she was, they had murdered. no idea. Mm-mm. like how or why or anything Ugh, no i hate that for them yeah her dad was furious and he said he's still pissed about it which is every right to be mm-hmm. so initially once the tape was reviewed and wilsey was seen leaving her room 
OSI, which is the Office of Special Investigations. It's like the detectives of military police. OSI wanted to talk to him because he was the last person to see her. They were just wanting to talk to him about her death, but not him as like an official suspect. They had no idea how big of a sick monster he was at this point. OSI realizes that Wilde didn't report for work. He's nowhere to be found. So they're like, hmm. <laughs> what Seems the hell? Weird. Very odd. And this piece of shit was still Snapchatting and texting his friends during this time. As we have said before, we love a dumb criminal who's just like, um, he texted one of his friends, Rianda's room number, with the text, my bad. Ew. And the friend was like, what the hell? It was an airman who lived on base as well. So. W, that's even worse. Mm -hmm. So the friend was like, what the hell is going on? So he went to that dorm room and he saw that it was blocked by like investigation tape. And he's like, wait, what the hell is going on? And. You see a lot with, um, like, when it ha I mean, it's just, like, on a college campus. Every It's, like, a lot of whispers. Everyone's, like, real hush-hush about so did it. Did he say anything? Yeah, because he later testified about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I, did this just well, come so out after? Did he, like, say, no. hey, I just got this weird text. Maybe you guys should look at it. And OSI starts searching everywhere for Wilsey. They looked in his hometown, Valdosta, Georgia. There's a base right there. So, like, they just kind of had people looking for him. But there was no sign of him. The Oreos that he was seen eating in the camera footage were found in his room. So they knew he had went back to his room before leaving the area. Because at first, they find a body. He's nowhere to be found. But it... At that point, foul play wasn't suspected. So they're like, wait, what is going on? Like, he's nowhere to be found. Like, what is what the hell is happening? And then he's texting people and they're like, this guy's something is up. Yeah, I don't understand how foul play is not suspected at all. My personal opinion <clears throat> is foul play was 100 percent suspected. And I'm just saying that it wasn't. It was just not, it wasn't released. Yeah. Has to. There's no, you have, you're not going to look at this girl and say, nope, this is a totally normal event. This Because I know, like, no. you know, toxicology reports and stuff take like six to eight weeks at the le earliest to come back. So I understand, like, I get that. But like, you have to be like, this is a healthy girl. She never had, you know, like, she's not having any issues. Yeah. And you have to know something happened. So they were able to track his phone and... 13 days after Rianda's murder, he was apprehended in Emporia, Virginia at a hotel because he was using his phone the entire time. So they were able to track his GPS like a moron. I mean, I'm glad that he did because he was caught, but like dumb. You are a dumb stupid criminal. Stupid. Uh, okay, go on. Let's mm -hmm. so, I'm still listening. OSI searched his car. And that is when they realized, holy shit, this dude is a maniac. In his car was this journal that had the details of Rihanna's murder. He talked about how he wore a Joker shirt when he went there because, quote, I thought it would be funny to wear a shirt of a sociopathic serial killer while committing a murder. Ugh, what an edgelord. Other entries in the journal said, quote, I just enjoy killing. 
Simple as that. I just wanted to know what it felt like. He wrote in agonizing detail how he murdered Rianda and also how he thought about killing again and planned to murder someone to steal a car or a license plate if he needed to. One, you don't need to kill someone to steal a license plate, you little creep. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Richard Shermer, he was Wilsey's commanding officer. He had had breakfast with him the morning of Rianda's murder as part of this program for like senior leaders to meet new airmen who are like new to the unit. He said he was impressed with Wilsey's attitude. And when he read the journal, it made him sick. And he was astonished because that was not the same person that he had had breakfast with. It was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, it's that's yeah. kind of their thing, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, and he said that none of the interactions he had at this breakfast would have indicated that a few hours later he was going to murder someone. The heck. Now, as we know, military trials are a little different than standard trials. See a few good men, you know. You want the truth? <laughs> you can't handle the truth. They are called court-martial hearings, and this was no different. So, and if you're not familiar with this, I'm going to give you a a little brief synopsis of how court-martials work. Because it's a little weird. Members of the armed forces are subject to a different justice system. Civilian criminal trials and court-martial hearings have some similarities, but they're pretty different. As we know, we talk about it all the time, civilian trials, the... Um, defendant is judged by a jury of their peers, typically about 12 military juries. On the other hand, are usually commissioned military officers. However, the person can be like, I would like an enlisted jury, like enlisted personnel in the jury. Um, if they decide to, there is not a random jury selection. In addition, the number of jurors varies from three to 12, depending on what the type of court martial it is. You do not need a unanimous verdict to convict in a court martial. You only need to be, it only needs to be two thirds of the people. Okay. Um, if like majority rules. Yeah. If death penalty is on the table, because they do have death penalty for court martial cases. Um, that is the only time they need a unanimous vote, which I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um. The uh, UCMJ, which is the Uniform Code of Military Justice, is the primary guidance system for the military criminal process. And these court martials vary from you cheating on your wife because that is illegal in the uh, UCMJ to like murder. Like there's a yeah. there's a wide, wide range. range there. Um, some. Uh, like there's three different types of court marshals depending on like the severity. Some of the penalties are like confinement for 30 days, hard labor. And then they go on to like forfeiture of like part of your monthly pay, like rank reduction, you know. Uh, yeah, it's I because I see like there are times when I look at like uh, court martial hearings and stuff and like look at like what's going on because like we can see some of that. And I think like that's a little bullshit. They probably should have got more time, especially when it comes to like sexual assault cases. 
Mm-hmm. But then you see that people get like they get in trouble like that for like cheating on their wife or cheating on their husband. You know, it's anything that makes the military look bad. Pretty much, you could be court-martialed for. Um, and then obviously, ultimately, you can also be discharged from service. That's where you get like the dishonorable discharges. Dishonorable discharge. That's the extent of my knowledge, right there. Yeah, it's like there's an honorable one. And there's a dishonorable one. Obviously, murder is not a misdemeanor. Yeah. So, Wilsey was facing a general court martial, which a military judge presides, presides, and the judge can actually decide on the case. So, if you don't want any personnel to, like, be, like, serve as, like, a juror, you can just be like, I would like you to decide my fate, sir, ma'am, and go from there. Um. He was facing a general court martial, which is like the equivalent of felonies on the civilian side. Like I said, it's the more serious type. Mm-hmm. Um, his court martial was actually moved to the Omaha Federal Courthouse. So it was moved off base, which is a pretty big thing. He was facing life without parole in prison. Her death um, was revealed that it was indeed strangulation. And premeditated if he had mm-hmm. a journal about it. He was charged with premeditated murder and also desertion since he just like kind of rolled out of the military to go hide from good his crimes. Insult to injury. He pled guilty to both charges and during his sentencing, journal his journal entries were read out loud in front of her like entire family. He described in detail how he strangled her and how she fought like hell. Her family gave statements, including her younger brother, Michael, the one I told you she was really close with. Mm -hmm. He had left for basic training three days before her murder to follow in her footsteps in the Air Force. Oh, man. Yeah. And this was this this took a long time. Okay, her murder was in 2016 and the sentencing wasn't until 2018. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's why I said like they. Things went really slow with all of this, which I guess is not, I mean, we, I mean, you know, Derek Chauvin's trial was like how many years afterwards, you know? Yeah. I mean, two years is reasonable for a murder trial to like be done and over with, but just the fact that they had to wait that long to get answers about their daughter or their family member is not okay. It's weird to me that it took so long for sentencing when he pled guilty. Yeah. That's that was weird to me because there wasn't like a full trial, you know, like he pled guilty. You're just um, like, yeah, I did it. Okay. What, like, what am I in trouble for? His, uh. def- his defense attorney tried to argue that the journal entries were just like an artistic outlet. It's just like rambling. That's not art, of- friend. That's very strange that you're talking about, like, I am at this, uh, rest stop i would like to murder this person and it's like oh weird your gps shows that you were in this spot during this time this is not like fantasy like you described in detail how you murdered a 20 year old co-worker yeah that's reality yeah that's not not, fantasy at all that is not yeah exactly because they were like we need to get him life without parole because he's a danger to society which he fucking is like yeah that well, obviously, he was already plotting on murdering exactly. another person. Exactly. Like he was, and like that guy what... was a serial killer in the making, and he just got caught. Good, good. Let me go back to, I just like it. 
Yeah. That was a direct quote from him. So I'm sorry. No, this is not fantasy. And I understand you're doing your job, but that is the wrong route to take, bro. Yeah. So the judge also heard from his family as well. And honestly, I was surprisingly moved by reading their testimony because we are, it's not his family's fault. Like it's, you know, you can love your kid as best you can and then still grow up to be a psychopathic maniac. Like it's yeah. not always nature versus nurture. Well, um, there was a video that was played. It was like almost 40 minutes where his parents, his sisters, cause he had three sisters and high school friends. They described him, you know, loving son and a brother. I don't understand how he could ever do this. His father was a retired master sergeant in the air force. He worked at Chick-fil-A before joining the Air Force. And I dare I say, how <laughs> dare you? How dare you disparage our milkshakes, sir? Mm. Mm -mm. Um, his coworkers were in shock over what happened, obviously. Um, his dad was like sobbing during his part, like when he was being like, giving his testimony. He was like, why God, why from my heart, from our family, we are so sorry. Um, his mom, Cindy said that she was anguished for Brianda's family. And she said, I wish I had an explanation, something I could say to give them an answer, some kind of peace. I pray for them over and over. Um, and after the video was played, the douchebag himself got up and gave his own apology. He said, I have hurt. I was I was going to ask, did he say anything? Did he give any reasoning? Um, no. He wanted to see what it felt like to murder someone. That was his reason that he gave over and over whenever he was questioned. I just wanted to see, dude. I just wanted to see what it felt like. You're, that's not, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, um, I hate, I hate him. I his apology, yeah. His apology said that I have hurt Airman Dillard's family, a family I don't even know, and I have hurt my own family, whom I love dearly. He faced the judge because the judge is also a miller, a member of the military. Um, his name was Colonel Vance Spath. I know my apologies will have little or no impact, but I hope it will help that I take responsibility for my actions. To which I say, "Fuck off, Timmy." Yeah. No. <laughs> like, no. There's no. When you are, I think about this every time I see any case where the murderer is a young person like this. Like, if you truly do have a good family and you're doing all of these heinous things, like, you are not thinking about them when you're doing this. Like, you're not thinking about the damage. You're, you're taking a life that's insane in itself like you are robbing someone else of their life you are forever changing her his or her family the victim's Whoever family knows that person yes anyone who has ever met her or knows exactly. her or like i said my sister-in-law was this happened half a mile from where they lived and she still we that we were talking about this case a few weeks ago because i was talking about how my husband sleeps with all of the lights on. And I was like, if I could change one thing about him, the most <laughs> unattractive thing about him is how I have to go through after he falls asleep and turn off all of the lights. And she was like, look, it could be because it's easier to see someone if they come into your house, if it's not completely dark, which is fair. 
Um, she's like, and I still sleep with lights on. Like I have to have like her husband, my, my brother-in-law come turn off all the lights because ever since this and someone just coming into to a house and or a room and doing this, she's like, I have so much anxiety about Look, it. Okay. Having every light on is different than having like a lamp on. That's what I said. (laughs) I was like, let's, I was like, he sleeps with the bedroom lights on and I will stand by this and listeners, I am so sorry if this will strike a nerve. If you can sleep in a room fully Fully lit, lit. I want to see a psychiatric evaluation because how, (laughs) how? Like a, a, Barring just like pure exhaustion, like you are yeah, exhausted okay. and you're just like, I need to rest. I cannot move my bones. We, but- we are one of those. I am one of those mom. My daughter is my last baby. And so we still co-sleep. Don't come at me. I know it's a problem. She has like one of the only finished rooms in the entire house. And I mean, for a while I was using it as storage because I was like, she doesn't even sleep in <laughs> She's here. She's not staying in here. It's fine. But I got all of it ready and I was like, this is it. She's moving to her room and it's not her that's the problem. It's me. I love to snuggle with her. She's, I'm never going to get this again. So I still co-sleep. She's almost four. So like, I'll bring my daughter into bed because she will fall asleep other places. And I'm like, uh-uh, you're coming to bed with mama and I'll put her in bed with me. <laughs> And I walk in there and he's like laying in bed watching King of the Hill with all of the lights on. And I'm like, can I, can you turn the lights off? Cause I went as far as we have smart lights and damn near every single thing that can be lit up so I can turn it off for my phone because I was like, I'm sick of walking around and turning lights off. That's such a smart idea. That actually does. We have the same issue at our house and uh, our computer our like desktop, I guess, is in our room. And when my husband's on it, he will be on the computer and like it's backlit. It's got LEDs. Mm, Both of both of the like side lamps are on and the actual like light is on. So I walk in and I'm like flicking lights off, turning how, why it is nighttime. It's like, I like it to be light. I'm like, yeah, that's what he told me. I like it to be light in the day. But now it's night. <laughs> yeah, and my whole thing is this. And if someone can explain this to me, I'm all for it. If you can debate this, why do you need your lamps and the overhead light on? That is yeah. redundant. That is redundant. It's not even like that's that's not even aesthetic, honestly. No, it's, it's <laughs> so, so wasteful. I have three kids. I am a wasteful person. I have like a plastic straw McDonald's cup right in front of me that I'm <laughs> sipping off of. I'm trying to do better, but like there are things I can cut and like uh, my electric bill and my electric consumption. Like that's, I try to do better. And I'm just like, he looks at me when I'm like, Are, can you turn the lights off? Like I have something growing out of my forehead. He's like, Ugh. why uh, would I? It's what time for bed <laughs> like this is why you can't go to sleep it's because you think it's daytime outside That's what I, said. I am like a ferrari when it comes to bed i have to have everything running perfect like i i don't sleep well anyways i rock out and like four out five four to five hours of sleep at night and i can i'm golden anything no, more than I, that that's crazy to me like i would be dead nope i I am at peak performance at five hours of sleep, 
if I get too much more, I am not good the next day. And I wake up a lot during the night. Like, I know I have some sleep issues. Shh, don't at me. I know. But, like, I have to have it completely dark. And yes. I already had to get used to hearing freaking Hank Hill every single night <laughs> because he has watched King of the Hill for five years every single night. Wow. He's got his uh, routine. His it routine. is a routine. It's his bedtime routine. But I digress. That was That's a, a big a... digression, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I think, I think you just needed to get it off your chest, I honestly. Did. Thank <laughs> you for listening, because it's just... <laughs> like... Oh, man. That guy does suck, though. Yeah. Well, he, her mom did, like, like, responded to his parents and was like, I do not blame you. I don't blame you guys, but I cannot forgive your son, which valid. I, I get. Yeah. Well, that was nice of her to give them that piece, I guess. And she's uh, not getting any. No. And that's what she said. She said, I have hate in my heart for you. I can't forget what you did to her every day. I want you to think of my daughter. Um, because she, they had such a hard time following Rianda's death. Naturally. That's completely natural. Her daughter, and the, she told, Rianda's mom, Elizabeth, she told the judge, she said, my daughter thrived and she excelled in school despite her less than privileged childhood. She said that when Rianda was murdered, her family was completely destroyed. She has one son who is in the Air Force, you know, like this is, you know, he was trying to be like a sister. Elizabeth, the mom, she became withdrawn. She lost her faith. She said she couldn't trust anyone and she had to leave her job because she felt so anxious to be around other people. She had a younger daughter or she has a younger daughter named Jennifer. And she said that she was hyper protective over her now, which again, valid because this was supposed to be her friend. Like this was supposed to be her friend. They were hanging out, just watching a movie and he did this to her. Yeah. And I can't get it out of my head and like off my feelings that it would we talk about grooming so much in terms of sexual assault and like pedophilia he groomed her to trust him to because be he friends. knew because he knew he was going to murder her like that he knew it the whole time he's like yep this is what i'm doing and he groomed her and that is like so sickening like it's, yeah, gross. it's gross i can't I can't stop thinking about how you said that his defense tried to play it off as like fantasy, mm -hmm. even though they were there for a really real thing. I always, I taught my daughter to do this recently, but anytime someone like says something to you and they're like, I'm just joking. Like I taught her to just say jokes are funny. And like, that gives me that vibes. Like yeah. fantasy is fake. This was real. Yeah, this is not fantasy. Like, it, are you saying, oh, no, no, no. Like, yeah, okay. We know that he murdered her, but, like, look. Like, the other stuff was fake. Like, he hadn't killed anybody else. Like, that's just fantasy. Yet. No, that. Yet. It's not fantasy. He's fantasizing about doing it because he wants to do it. Like, yeah, he wants to do it. And he had apparently taken a pre-trial agreement it can't be called a plea deal because they don't have that um and he instead of getting life without parole he got life with the possibility of parole but he's serving his sentence in a federal prison 
which Good. I'm glad. Um, but Elizabeth said that she is going to attend every trial. And as long as that she is living and her kids are living, he will not get out of prison. And I say, huzzah. Good. Yeah, good. He does and, not deserve to get out of prison. And ever. so Offit was rocked by this, obviously. Like, that's, like I said, that's like where the smart kids go. Like, you don't think of being like, it's not like it was – Oh, like someone was like drinking and driving. There was an accident. Like it was like, this was a premeditated murder. And so they're like reeling from this. And then like a few, like two years later, they had another murder there. There was, uh, yeah. Uh, literally down. Tell me about that one too. Just real briefly. Like, um, this was literally down the street from where my brother-in-law and sister-in-law lived. Uh, tech Sergeant Zachary Furlick. He murdered his wife. Carry before trigger warning suicide he took his own life and he did it when their kids were home <gasps> no how old were their kids uh at the time it was like 17 or 11 13 they're like juvenile Ugh. like mid pre-teenage and one of them is who called the police that's awful it's like you're getting all the wrong you're getting all the wrong type of publicity off it Air Force Space. Ugh, yeah. those poor kids. That's I, terrible. I'm not saying like I like, hey, if you wanna murder like but those are your no. effing kids. Like those are your kids. Not only are you giving them the trauma of both of their parents are dead, you're gonna let them hear it, see it, like have to handle it on their own alone. I uh used to live on Paris Island, uh, which is like a Marine Corps base. And I came home from work one day and there was OSI everywhere. And like, I couldn't pull into my garage. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And again, trigger warning for suicide. Uh, I looked like I go upstairs and I look out because like everyone's, it's, you see all the memes, like you see, like, but it's true. There's like a Facebook group <laughs> for all these military spouses. And, uh, I look out the window and there's a car backed into the fence because it was like an alleyway uh -huh. and like our garages were in the back of our house. And my neighbor had taken his own life in his car, like pulled out of his driveway and took his own life. And yeah. Yeah. Yikes. And it's just, you, then it's, you never hear anything about it. It's just like, kind of like brushing yeah. on the rug. And it's like, holy shit. Like, I have, I think that's one of the reasons I have so much risk. I mean, I, I saw it with my husband. Like I see how it's not a joke. Like there is a complete disregard for mental health in the military. Like it's, yeah, like it's, it's insane. Very, I have little to no experience with military junk. Um, little, but it's, <laughs> I, it's never good news, right? Like everything, every time I hear something new, I never hear something like positive. And I, like I said, I have, I work with the military and everyone that I know is like, they are great. They're, I mean, you hear horror stories of like military medicine and stuff. I mean, the doctors that I know and that I work with are better than the civilian doctors that I have come in contact with. And I think that, if you are stepping up, because I would never join the military. I can't do it. I can't make it through basic training. I can't be on time anywhere. Like that is not, I can't <laughs> do it. So I think, especially for women, knowing the 
gender ratio, like how outnumbered you're going to be, taking that stand and be like, hey, shit could pop off and I'm going to go defend this country. I think that's pretty badass, no matter what you do, because I couldn't do it. But I also think that like, I see how affected they are when they come home from doing all of that. And I see like the toll it takes on families, the stress, like it's you lot. Yeah. And you, you hear stories about like people coming back from like Afghanistan, Iraq, and like going, having severe PTSD and like horrible things happening afterwards. But it's like, what was the reason? Like you're sitting at a computer in the air force and you're like fantasizing about murdering someone you groom a girl who you think is and i think that's what pisses me off the most about this case he thought less of her he yeah, was he like thought that because she was quiet she wasn't exactly yeah she maybe maybe she wasn't worth as much as someone who wasn't who was more ex- extroverted exactly yeah, that's frustrating it's like you must you were like you like uh i i don't even have the words for it it's like he, he's like uh he was sadly mistaken that people weren't going to miss her and it's like she, oh because she was more reserved and i think of me cuz like in a group setting like i'm more reserved like i'm not like <laughs> you know if i was at a basketball game where i didn't know anybody i, would I come wouldn't off be like talking that. to anyone no and so it's like, oh, because she wasn't like the center, like, you, you know, she wasn't trying to be the life of the party. You just were like, she doesn't, she doesn't have any friends. No one's going to miss her. That's bullshit. Like, that's bullshit. Super bullshit. Mm. Uh, what a bummer. It's all my, also my PSA to check on your friends that are in the military. Or if you are in the military and you're having, you know, reach out for help. I think. It's okay. You're allowed yeah. to. You are. You are allowed to reach out for help. Like. <laughs> Please do for your family's sake, for your sake, like just we don't know unless you talk to us type thing. Yeah, that's very true. Oh, that's a bummer. I'm sorry. Okay. And I'm sorry that I like let out my shit about these lights. <laughs> you know, that's frustrating. I'm it's same thing. Same thing. I have to go through the house every single night, shut off every single light in our house because nobody worries about the electric bill but me i feel like my dad <laughs> oh i know <laughs> i said that to my husband and my husband is he i don't know how to explain it without making him sound like a dumbass because he's not he's great <laughs> but he, he's a dumbass <laughs> but he is the type of person who is like it doesn't matter what it costs we have to it, it's like we have to pay this no matter what. Like we have to pay the electric bill, which he's right. We have to pay the water bill. Like I don't care what it costs because I, we have to pay it no matter what. And it's like, but it could be cheaper. But, but we don't have to like see what the max is. We don't have to like max it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like how high can we get our electric bill? I put smart outlets on everybody's TV so I could also turn those off because That's my, awesome. yeah. That's so smart. I want to do that. But it is. That's... It's great until you realize like how much of your internet it's, it's using and then you have to. That's why we had to get that Eero system throughout the house. Well, because cause like the smart, because your yeah. house is smart now. <laughs> yeah, because we had, I mean, it's smart and I love the convenience of it. I love being able to be lay in bed and be like, 
I know that my kids have left every single light on on that side of the house. So it's just like, ding, ding, ding. Do you have smart locks like that you can do from your phone? Or do you just have like the, I know you have the ring thing, right? Uh, yeah, we have the ring and then I have blink cameras like all over the house. So like, look, I'm telling you, if you ever find out where I live, like you're not going to get very far. <laughs> I'm going to see you. And like we have, a, I don't have a smart lock. I wish I did, but we have, a, the, it's a coded lock. On the door. Oh, like the pad keypad. Yeah. The I looked at the smart locks, but I was so nervous that the kids would mess it up. Oh yeah, that's fair. Like when I told my oldest, I was like, hey, we're putting a code on the door. You have your own code to get in. And I did that. So like as they get older, if their friends come in, I'll be able to like tell who came in type thing oh that's smart yeah yeah i didn't know you Uh, could have your own code i thought you could only have like one no there's like 11 that we can program oh cool but he was like can i make it six nine six nine i was like (laughs) like no you're 11 you cannot do that (laughs) i love smart things i have one smart light in my house i have one of them and it's in our room and well, our TV is, but I do love that. Cause I can run it from my phone. And also mm-hmm. sometimes when I'm like, all right, screen time's up for the day. Uh, like my kids will hide the remote. So I just like pull off my phone. And I'm like, dink, bummer, mm-hmm. bummer for my you kids, guys. My kids just lose the remote and we have Roku and like, that's like what we use for the TVs mm-hmm. and the boys have it in their room. And my middle son, who is the sweetest boy in the world, but he is scattered all over the place. He will lose his remote for his Roku, and then he'll come take the one from the living room. And then when that one's gone, he'll take his sister's remote. And then <laughs> and now we're just investing in Rokus. So now that's why I'm glad we can like do it from our phone. But like when my husband will fall asleep on the couch watching King of the Hill. And he'll wake up and he'll be like, oh, I can't find any of the remotes. I'm like, they're in the couch. They're in the couch. It reminds me of that, you know, that scene in Zoolander where he's like, where are the files? They're in the computer. They're in the computer. And they just start like hitting the computer. That's what makes me think of it. I love Zoolander. It's like one of my favorite movies. Uh, but segue into smart things. We love smart things. So... <laughs> If you are wanting to start a podcast and you're looking for a smart, easy way to do it, I'm getting better at it. Yeah, we're getting ready at this. You need a smart, easy way to start a podcast. We say this, but seriously, if you are recording, I'm telling you this right now, and we just had a meeting with Zencaster and we know all the cool shit that is coming soon. Um, if you are recording a podcast with two people and you are recording it into a program that is not easy to use or the sound quality isn't good. We know it's not easy to use because we tried to do it. We tried all of it. (laughs) And if you want to listen to the sound quality of it, go back to our first episodes. (laughs) Enough said. That's all I have to say. I mean, you can literally put your intro in any sound effects, like remove long pauses because you know, you get talking and then you're like, Wait a second, where was I? We do it all the time. You don't hear it because Zencaster. You never know. <laughs> so if 
that is what you want to do. And I'm telling, we've had so many people message us about starting podcasts and I am so excited. We had high school friends reach out to us and they're starting a podcast, just like two dudes talking. It doesn't have to be true crime. It can literally be whatever you want. I wish the name of their podcast was two dudes talking. It's at, yeah, it's friends with benefits, which is actually like hilarious too. (laughs) The benefits of friendly conversation. Um, Oh, you can, I'll charge you for that ad later, guys. (laughs) But you should do it. You should do, you should start your own friend, buddy podcast, whatever you, about the things that you like. Because as we learned yesterday, you can start a podcast about whatever you want. There is a niche for everyone. (laughs) Like it's, there's a niche for everyone. And when you start your podcast and you're like, man, I tried these other systems or better idea. Don't try the other systems. Go straight to Zencaster. Use our code, gruesome, or Zencaster, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com slash pricing, promo code gruesome with a capital G, and then let us know and let us listen to it. And yeah, we will. because I want to listen to your podcasts. I think they're awesome. If I you get could excited. have a podcast about something that wasn't true crime, if it was just you talking, what would you do? Me right now? Mm-hmm. Um, right now it would probably be like college stuff, like because I'm in school and my life is all dental school right now. So it would probably be like dental school. But outside of that, maybe like like just hobbies, like crafts. Yeah, and you have a lot of hobby. You are a serial hobbyist. I'm a serial hobbyist. I am. Um, actually, I sewed my scrub cap for dental school and I put it on the other day and my friend was like you made that I was like yeah and they were like I wish I could do that stuff you do a lot of stuff and I was like I have no chill I have never had any chill I cannot stop doing things wait you can sew scrub caps yeah Hook a sister up because the one that I have right now has like puppies on it and it's so tight on my head because like of my bun that I wear when I'm in the OR and huh. Yeah, I'll sew you a scrub cap. Hell yeah. Yeah, I just, I get excited about things and I like hyper focus on them until I'm bored Mm -hmm. and then I'm like, ooh, a new thing. I hyper focus until I master it and then I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. But it's always need- nice that you can go back to it if you need to. Mm-hmm. I like to just, <laughs> I like the clout of telling people that I know how to do those things. Honestly, that's probably why our husbands were so anti-podcast when we first started it. Because <laughs> they were like, they're going to be over it in like a month. But yeah. look at us now. <laughs> look at us now. Am I over it sometimes? Yes. Sometimes. But we always come back. Every yeah, week, gonna... even if we are a little late this week. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys, I got this new office. Look how pretty the paint color is in there, though. Yeah, it looks nice to be able to see. Yeah, and I still have more to do. Um, I have some shelves I need to hang, but um, our Patreon subscribers will get to see this. If you want to join our Patreon, you can see my new office. <laughs> but um, my husband games on his. He's like a PC gamer and. I had, if you have seen us before, you know that like you can see him walk through because like he'll walk and just like Sometimes sit. he walks in the back of the place, <laughs> solitaire in the background. But I made the argument. I wanted, we have like a, like a corner 
angle cut in it. And I was like, I want the, I want to sit there because I don't want to see you in this. I want, I don't want to see you. <laughs> I see you all day. I don't want to see you in my And he, he has this really obnoxious, I'm saying that emphasis because that's how freaking obnoxious it is. He plays, all right, guys. I'm making him sound really dorky, but he plays trucking simulator and like he has a whole steering wheel set up and I could see that in the background. So (laughs) I remember when he got the steering wheel and I was very confused. I was like, like you pretend you play a game where you are a truck driver and you have a steering wheel for that. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is exactly what it was. Yeah. I'm I, shocked. I, surprisingly, like this, all the simulator games now are so realistic. He does know so much about semi trucks. It's insane. He can tell me exactly like every, we'll drive by. He's like, oh, that's a blah, 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 blah. Obviously I don't listen. So I, don't, I can't like regurgitate any of that. <laughs> but that's hilarious. He, he Maybe takes- he could start a trucking <laughs> podcast where he just... He, he, I told him to start a stay-at-home dad podcast. See, I think that uh, our, uh, our our husbands could get on that together. Yeah, and we could do the GPN. They could be yeah. under us. They could be on our network. I'll run that by. I'll run that by my second in command in a little bit. <laughs> Definitely second in command. I love that. But uh, <laughs> we, uh, he couldn't get the cut. Like this is what delayed us. Uh, going like full circle this is what delayed us because he couldn't they were trying to figure out like the geometry of the cut and like i told them how it could go but they didn't why listen do I know? i'm just a woman who barely knows geometry <laughs> <laughs> which spoiler alert i'm really good at geometry so the argument was i do more on my computer so i should have the better view right like i should have behind the better view you. The, behind yeah. me and i would like to look out and and he, during the day, he'll never keep the blinds open. And this is the only, remember we were talking about, this is the only light in the house that I can grow plants in. So this is me trying to like take that from him because he's like, oh, the glare. Reclaim. Yeah. So it's like been a funny thing in our house because I have prime real estate at the desk now because we share an office. So it's like a wraparound desk and it's so, I love it. I'll probably post some pictures on our close friends on Instagram once it's all done. I have a skull in the background. I could I set it up where you could see it, but now I don't. I don't know if, if you can see, see that shelf on our Patreon, I got that shelf for seven dollars at a rummage sale. I'm so like <laughs> when you gave it to me when we did like a little tradesies, ah, uh, that just sealed you forever. But I, <laughs> I paid I paid you for my love or for I your have, love. We have our Saint Karen uh, candle s- candle that. Meg made. Um, I have my skull, my cameras, because I'm also an amateur hobbyist photographer. <laughs> um, the night bus, a sign that says "Welcome." Let's talk about serial killers. And then you know that's gonna it's gonna be all done. It's gonna be awesome. I'm ex- so excited. Um, I have nothing cool in the background because this was my kids' room that she never slept in and she slept in my room and now she and her sister share a room. So now it just still looks like a nursery. <laughs> I am looking up and I just realized that I still have the paint, the tape on my ceiling from where I painted. <laughs> you gotta peel that off or it's gonna stick and pull. 
You're gonna oh, have no. little like this is the frog tape. It's good for three weeks. I looked it up when I left it in my oh. son's room for three weeks. I was like, oh, right. all the way till the end. Till the end. Speaking <laughs> of the end, it's the end. Here it is. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime, a Zencaster powered podcast. Seriously, we wouldn't be here without them. Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcasts on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're, we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.